Turning now to the latest in the vaccination campaign. Taiwan's one-dose vaccine coverage has reached 79.7%. Second-dose coverage is at 66.3%, and booster coverage is at 0.32%. The CCC says that immunocompromised people will be able to get a booster shot 25 days after their second shot instead of 28. Let's hear from the doctor. People with immune deficiencies or whose immune system is compromised due to other conditions are at the highest risk, we think. So in addition to the regular two-dose course, they should receive a booster. From the beginning, people with immunity issues have been advised to take a full dose of Moderna as their booster shot. The government currently classifies eight groups of people as immunocompromised. One group is people with cancer. Another is people who received organ transplants, and a third is people who need kidney dialysis. These groups are eligible to receive a full dose of Moderna, Pfizer, or Medigen instead of the half dose recommended for people without immunity issues. People with no immunity issues will have to wait five months after the second shot to get a half dose booster. Taiwan has confirmed another four cases of the Omicron variant among recent arrivals. That brings the total of Omicron infections found to 16. Amid an influx of holiday travelers, the CCC is urging arrivals to follow quarantine rules or face fines of up to one million NT dollars. The call comes as local officials say they're finding it hard to enforce the rules of home quarantine. A recent arrival from Shanghai narrates his quarantine experience. He chose the 7 plus 7 program and is now quarantining at home. So far, he's been checked up on by two borough wardens. My household registration is in Zhanghua, and every day I get calls from Zhanghua checking up on me. They don't know I'm staying in Taichung. They don't know I was in a quarantine center in Nanto. They don't know I'm spending my remaining seven days in Taichung. Over in Taipei, some borough wardens report being overwhelmed with quarantine police duty. They call up every quarantiner in the community and check up on them at irregular intervals. The wardens say that it's hard to verify whether the quarantiner's family members are all fully vaccinated, which determines whether they can stay in the same residence. It's near impossible to know whether they're breaking the rules by having meals together or sharing a bathroom. We can't just go into their houses and check their vaccination cards. They're supposed to use their own bathrooms, but I can't go in. We're waiting for more concrete instructions from the central government on how to conduct checks. Quarantining at home requires some self-discipline. Let me reiterate, the one-person-per-residence model means that your living quarters are limited to the residence. The one-person-per-room model means your living quarters are limited to your room. The health minister stressed that people staying alone in their residence are not allowed to step outside their front door. People quarantining with family may not leave their bedrooms. Violators face fines of up to one million NT. Well, the central government has broken ground on its first social housing project in Taipei City. The residential community will be located in the heart of Wanhua District, 15 minutes away from an MRT station by foot. It will offer daycare and elder care services on site to support the needs of young couples and disadvantaged families. President Tsai Ing-wen attended the groundbreaking ceremony on Thursday. Yi, yi, 
President Tsai Ing-wen attended the groundbreaking for the central government's first social housing project in Taipei. The project is called Wanhua Housing. Today, as soon as I got off the car, I thought, this is the best location I have ever seen for a social housing project. It's in Taipei, in a place with extremely good access to amenities, and the plot is big enough. The president touted the prime location of the residential project. Nearby, there is Huajiang Elementary School, Huanan Market, and the Huashi Street Night Market. An MRT station is just 15 minutes away by foot. The location was once home to a military police unit, and the land is owned by the Armaments Bureau and Taiwan Sugar Corporation. In the future, the plot will contain two buildings of 13 and 14 floors, totaling 300 housing units. The housing project will be the first to be built using prefabricated construction. We won't let local governments go at it alone. We will offer all the assistance we can. By the same token, we also hope that local governments will offer assistance to social housing projects directed by the central government. The central government will not be absent from discussions with local governments over social housing needs. The central government will not just sit idle, especially if the local government has insufficient resources. Of course, we would like to especially thank President Tsai Ing-wen as well as the central government for its assistance, particularly with land issues. All this support has enabled our social housing projects to go forward. Cooperation between the central and local governments is very important. The Taipei city government is very cooperative with the central government. We have been very fast in handling urban design and urban renewal issues. The housing project in Wanhua will offer childcare and elder care services to support the needs of disadvantaged groups, low-income families and young adults. So where is the rainiest place in Taiwan? Surprisingly, it's not Geelong. And over the past several years, the Central Weather Bureau has installed many more rain gauges across the country. It discovered that the rain capital of Taiwan is the little hamlet of Daping in New Taipei's Wanli district. Due to its hilly terrain, Daping gets an average of 6,533 millimeters of rain every year, nearly double the rainfall in Geelong. There's an impenetrable fog ahead as the car moves carefully along a slippery road. Earlier this month, the Central Weather Bureau posted a quiz on social media, asking people to guess the rainiest place in Taiwan over the past decade. I feel like Suao probably gets more rain. It might be Wanli. The mountains there make for heavy showers. We have a winner. Wanli District is indeed the rainiest place in Taiwan, with its staffing area taking the crown. Due to the terrain in Daping, whenever water vapor moves in, it accumulates, resulting in a high likelihood of rain. The meteorologist explains that northeasterly winds are a continuous source of water vapor for the north coast between autumn and spring. In Daping, the hilly terrain and the proximity to the coast causes the vapor to accumulate and precipitate as rain. Jilong and Suao are more in the plains. In these areas, the rain mainly comes from cloud systems that move in from outside. I remember that as a kid, it would sometimes rain for two months straight. Our main winter crops are carrots and brown mustard. Their fate depends on the weather. If it rains too much, all the crops rot. Over the past few years, the CWB has expanded its rain gauge coverage. Only after that was it able to identify Daping as the true rain capital of Taiwan. Although nearby Geelong is known as the city of rain, it actually receives 3,000 millimeters less each year compared to Daping. 
A farmer's experiment is paying off in a big way. Two years ago, Zhong Hesheng of Ilan County tried his hand at cultivating a strange plant originally from Malaysia. That plant has thrived under his loving care and has produced a bunch of bananas unlike anything he's ever grown. Let's take a look. Here in this orchard, one banana tree is not quite like the rest. The fruit that grows from it stretches all the way to the ground in a long bunch. There is one ring after another of tiny, densely packed bananas. The whole bunch measures beyond 220 centimeters, and it holds thousands of bananas. I saw it for the first time on the side of the road. I brought it back here to plant. Many folks had never seen anything like it. The bananas are small, each just big enough for a bite. It turns out that this is an existing variety of banana called Thousand Fingers, which hails from Malaysia. The plant is tall and its fruit is short, thick and closely arranged. Each bunch of bananas can grow up to three meters long, and so the variety is sometimes used as an ornamental plant. It's not commonly grown in Taiwan, but in Ilan County's Ujie Township, farmer Zhong Hesheng decided to give it a try. His banana plant has thrived, yielding more than a thousand bananas that he's happily shared with his friends. Two years ago, he told me he'd planted a thousand fingers banana plant. Even the lady finger banana is bigger than this. The thousand fingers banana is a bit smaller, but it tastes similar to the standard banana. Because it is relatively small, it tastes slightly astringent. <laughs> It's got a distinct tartness to it, and some say it tastes better than your ordinary banana. With so many fruits in a bunch, there's certainly enough to go around. Taiwan has detected its first case of the African swine fever virus in a pork product produced in Thailand. So far, Thailand has been the only Southeast Asian country that hasn't reported a virus case to the World Organization for Animal Health. Even so, Taiwan says Thailand is still a high-risk country. And ahead of the Lunar New Year holiday, authorities are asking consumers not to order meat products from high-risk areas. Parcels pass through an x-ray machine one by one. This is the inspection procedure for all international deliveries at the Tainan Post Office. When agricultural or animal products are detected, the Bureau of Animal and Plant Health Inspection and Quarantine is notified immediately. All international mail has to go through customs inspection. It has to be run through the x-ray machine. If we find anything suspicious, we hand it over to the relevant unit for processing. This inspection procedure intercepted a parcel from Thailand that contained sausages. The meat tested positive for the African swine fever virus, a strain 100% identical to the Chinese one. It matched the strain that we detected previously in a case of African swine fever from China. The nucleic acids are the same. The sausages, which bore a label in Thai, have since been returned to their country of origin. This is the first confirmed case of African swine fever involving meat products from Thailand. The COA is on high alert for more contaminated meat. The Lunar New Year is approaching. We're hoping that consumers will not ship in pork or pork products from overseas, particularly not from epidemic areas, particularly not sausages and hams, etc. African swine fever virus found in meat products can be transmitted to our livestock. 
The agriculture minister said that African swine fever has now spread to 14 Asian countries, including most of Southeast Asia. In that region, only Thailand has not reported any cases to the World Organization for Animal Health. The minister said Taiwan intends to stringently examine all international packages. Thailand has not notified the OIE about being in an area affected by African swine fever, but in 2019 we were able to confirm that it is a high-risk area. So we will continue to enforce comprehensive checks, whether on 100% of carry-on luggage or during border control. The minister said that Taiwan's government ministries were working in concert to keep viruses from crossing the border, but with the Lunar New Year approaching, a surge of pork products is expected to arrive from overseas, threatening Taiwan's hog industry. As it digs in for a hard fight ahead, the COA is asking people to skip the meat shipments this holiday season. Well, the food and beverage industry is making a strong recovery from COVID-19, according to data released by the Ministry of Economic Affairs. In November, total revenue rose for the second month in a row to reach 66.2 billion NT dollars, marking an annual increase of 2.5 percent. That's also an all-time high for the month of November. Let's hear from an official. There has been positive growth for two consecutive months. The main drivers were customer acquisition efforts at department stores, as well as the quintuple stimulus vouchers and other promotional events. The Ministry of Economic Affairs says domestic consumption has soared with the easing of the epidemic. It expects the food and beverage industry to expand again in December due to year-end holiday spending. Well, do you have an old musical instrument that you don't use anymore? If so, you can donate them to the Ministry of Education's Music Bank. In 2016, the Ministry of Education launched the Music Bank initiative to collect second-hand musical instruments to donate to rural schools in need. Let's take a look at some of the students that have benefited from the project. Students from Sanhe Elementary School play the Guzhen on stage. Sanhe Elementary School's Guzhen Club has been running for 12 years. In the early years of the club, two students had to share one instrument due to the shortage of instruments. But now, thanks to donations from the Ministry of Education's Music Bank, students don't need to share and can practice longer. In the past, two people had to share a guzhen and take turns playing. After the music bank donated the guzhens, it became more convenient and we had more time to practice. I might participate in a guzhen competition next year. In 2016, the MOE and Shijian University launched the Music Bank. Musical instruments donated to the Music Bank are repaired and sent to rural elementary schools across Taiwan. The instrument I'm learning is the Yangqing. I have played it for years. The donation allows us to learn the Yangqing without having to bring the Yangqing back and forth from home to school, which makes it much more convenient for us. I joined the club because my mother signed me up when I was young. I like music very much and started playing the xylophone. I might attend a music school in junior high school. We still have a shortage of musical instruments. Recently, the Music Bank donated three musical instruments to us. This year, we won the special prize for the Kaohsiung City Music Competition and obtained the right to participate in the national competition. 
Over the past six years, the bank has received over 3,000 instruments. So far this year, they've received 303 instruments. No requirement for people for donate. Uh, any kind of instrument is welcome to be donated to our the music instrument bank. And we would uh, have uh, the best uh, technicians to maintain and to make the best use of the instruments and to make sure uh, every instrument is in the top quality before they are sent it to schools, to the uh, students' hands. So we uh, sincerely hope that every student can enjoy this privilege to, uh, to take music as their best friend uh, in their road. Organizers hope that more people can donate their second-hand instruments to help promote music education in Taiwan. For most of the news, Stephanie Yang, Zhong Shuhui in Taipei. Taiwan has announced a ban on single-use plastic foam cups starting next July 1st. The ban applies to beverage shops, which are to encourage customers to bring their own reusable cups. Violators will be fined up to $6,000. The Environmental Protection Administration also wants convenience stores, fast food chains and supermarkets to promote reusable cups. Starting July 1, 2022, they will be required to give a discount of at least $5,000 to customers who bring their own cups. McDonald's has already rolled out a promotion that offers customers three points for using a recyclable cup. Customers who collect five points can trade them in for a drink valued at 33 NT dollars. At 7-Eleven and drink shops like Come By, customers with their own cups receive a discount of two or three NT dollars. Tainan's Yujin district is famous for its sweet Irwin mangoes, but tourists still flock to this remote mountain town even when it's not mango harvest season. In recent years, a thriving buckwheat industry has taken root there and become a tourist attraction in, in its own right. Eugene has also perfected the art of mango cuisine that can be served all year round. Mango-flavored ice flakes are piled high and topped with frozen mango, green mango pickles and sweet meats. Last but not least, a scoop of ice cream draped with sweet condensed milk. This is the famous mango ice of Tainan's Yujing district. In the summer, it's a great way to beat the heat. In the winter, it uses frozen mango that's just as fragrant. The texture is similar to that of a popsicle. The aroma of the mango is still locked inside. Yujing district is famous for its mangoes. It comes alive each year during Irwin harvest season, but tourists come all year round for the local delicacies. One of them is this restaurant in Mortal Chicken. After eating it, you'll be as happy as an immortal. Also, during ancestor worship, presenting this to your ancestors is an act of supreme sincerity, so that's why it's called immortal chicken. Besides mango, there's roast chicken, and besides chicken, there's buckwheat. Yijing is home to an entire buckwheat industry that spans contract farming, added processing, production and sales. After steaming the buckwheat and removing the hulls, we fry it after it's fried. After the water is all evaporated, the nutrients will be locked in and they won't be lost while the starch will be transformed. Besides mango ice, let it be known that here in Yijing, we have something called golden buckwheat. Yujing is a remote mountain town that draws visitors from far and wide. Although tourists once came only for the mangoes, they're now attracted by the charm of its specialty industries. 
Tainan's Anping district is home to a magnificent temple based on the Forbidden City in Beijing. For years, the Orthodox Luermen Shengmu Temple has attracted shutterbugs and even couples doing engagement photo shoots. To better serve its visitors, the temple has refurbished its rooms to create a dedicated photo studio. Tourists can try on Han-style costumes and take photos against more than 10 historical backdrops. Take this striking landscape with an antique charm. Add in a wardrobe of nearly a hundred historical costumes. Put them together and they're ready to reenact noble life in the ancient times. The wardrobe includes Han-style garments, gorgeous tops with a classical beauty. This venue already comes with this ancient vibe. Nowadays, you mostly see modern architecture. There are very few buildings of this kind, buildings that look like an ancient place. This isn't a traditional photo studio, but it's got backdrops, lighting, and nearly a hundred imperial gowns and hand-style chongsams. This is a temple in Tainan that's open to the public for historical photo shoots. The temple refurbished its old wings to create about a dozen extraordinary backdrops. There are 13 scenes in our photo studio. You can really indulge your love for historical dramas. The temple says its magnificent grounds have always attracted shutterbugs and even couples doing engagement photo shoots. It saw public interest and rose to meet it, creating exquisite backdrops worthy of social media. Thanks to its photo studio, the temple has gotten a big boost to its online profile.